0: everybody welcome to the november 17th edition of cascadian views we've got the full crew dan jj and chris are here tonight um we have a lot to talk about so i'm just gonna go right back into it uh we were discussing california results right before i started there and i wanted to capture everything um the final results from the midterm election that we spoke about last week are, are finally trickling in and it has been a bloodbath um Orange County now looks like it's going to have no Republican representatives at all. This is—I uh, used the word heartland just a few minutes ago. The Republican Party, this is their bread and butter, um, and now they're completely shut out. The uh, the narrative on election night was very much that uh, this was kind of a split decision, but as time has gone on, I'm I'm really reevaluating that. This seems like a, a wipeout for for the Republicans in a lot of areas that should scare them
1: yeah
2: Mm -hmm. but you know traditionally they've had control uh yeah heartland of the republican party is absolutely right we talked about it a little bit before the start of the podcast but uh, that's where you know ronald reagan began his career same with richard nixon it's I, i think even the john birch society got started by crazy people in orange county it was just a real yeah you know, the heart is absolutely right of uh, conservatism in the 1950s and 1960s uh, basically up until the last decade and now it is completely flipped at the uh, congressional level which is I, I I can't think of a I mean the a, a, a an analog to that really of a region associated not just with a political party but with an ideology so strongly flipping. I mean, the South has gone from Democrats to Republicans, but it's always been conservative of both parties. But this is different.
0: The um, uh, the problem may be California specific. The the former head of the California Republican Party wrote uh, a very soul searching op ed after the election, basically saying that they were done and that they needed to burn it all down. Start over again with maybe a, a new party or at least a different Republican party. Um, that does not seem to be the take that uh, National Republicans have, have taken from that at all. Um, and I okay. think to their okay. detriment, uh, they they hemorrhage support in the suburbs where they had always had kind of their strength. I, I know we think of rural areas as being strongly Republican, and they are, but. There's not that many people, you Not enough to balance out these huge cities. The the Republican hold on the suburbs was what really set them set them up to be competitive in these elections.
1: Yeah, five thirty eight did a piece on this, um, you know, sometime in the past week and they kind of documented the suburban sweep and they had been looking at a lot of districts, you know, like Romney districts that went for Clinton or Obama districts that went to Trump like things like that that might flip but all of those did flip like most of those did flip but mm-hmm. also Romney Trump districts like districts that had always been Republican suburban districts also flipped in large numbers Okay
0: um the the final results have not Ben called, but what we know for sure is that Mimi Walters went down. Um, Devin Nunes lost, or uh, well, won, but by a, a very small margin, a seat that he carried seventy percent of the vote in the last time he had a. It's 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 beginning to make me think that there's some almost fundamental realignment kind of happening, um, and. To that end, I, I actually do agree with the that, that I mentioned last time that if there, there is to be a conservative party, maybe separated that from Republicans point might be for the best. The, the party is so strongly defined by certain racist elements.
2: Yeah, that's going to make it harder and harder to survive in states like California.
0: Where the Democrats now have a supermajority in all chambers of the Supreme Court, and, right. and hold the governor's mansion.
2: New York also is another one that comes to mind where they're increasingly being shut out. They had control of the state senate, and they've lost that now. Uh, look, looks like that was pretty decisive. Um, and that's Nevada, another,
0: by the way, that is really ancestrally very you know, well-to-do Republican. Upstate New York is, right. I wouldn't say nearly as strongly conservative as Orange County, but very strongly
2: yeah, uh, I was just actually getting into next door to California, Nevada, a uh, state that you know is growing strongly, uh, but has also trended very heavily towards the Democrats. You know, previously the it's been uni- I used to consider red. Unified government under Republicans for the longest time. Now it's not just unified government under Democrats, but supermajority government under Democrats in. Both, I believe, both houses of the state legislature now. So, really big changes coming there. I would expect. That's basically the same situation that you have in California, in a state which, you know, George Bush carried pretty handily in two thousand four.
0: Wait, George Bush won California? No, Nevada. It's Nevada. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: That uh, that threw me for a second.
2: Yeah. Sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, one of the outgrowths of this this blue wave that we had in the house um, is that there's is looking to be a fight over Nancy Pelosi, who um, I'm going to start this off by saying that there are perfectly fair reasons to oppose Nancy Pelosi for the Speakership. For one, she might just be a little bit out of touch uh, with some things. You know, totally fine with that. But uh, uh, the fight is really being provoked by red-state Democrats um, at this point. They, they have gotten smart. I mean, they're not terrible people. They, they're Democrats. they Democrats. Maybe be worse than your average Democrat, but they're not going to, you know, really throw this under the bus. They, they're trying to reach across to progressives. They, they put forward a uh, a very progressive woman who used to be, um, I believe, head of the Congressional Black Caucus at one point, um, Marcia Fudge from Ohio, a very progressive rep from the Cleveland area, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're trying to use her as a way to get the votes uh, between their own red state Dem block and whatever progressives they they can poach through this kind of unity candidate. Um, I it's there seems to be a, a very wide disagreement over how much trouble Felicia is. There are people I trust saying she's totally fine. There are people I trust saying she's already lost. Mm-hmm.
2: Who, who? Pelosi? Yeah. No, 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 no. I don't buy that. I don't buy that even for a minute. Uh, and mainly because Marsha Fudge, you know, who's their stocking horse, she's not even running. <laughs> she's, you know, they, they've said that, they, that she's the person, or the kind of person that they want, but you know, she hasn't said anything about actually running in the caucus or even on the floor. Uh, I think this is a whole thing that it's a tempest in a teapot and they're not even going to get it off the ground. You know, I think she's going to win handily in the caucus votes and then everybody who's wavering in, or at least enough to elect a speaker on the floor is going to be there for her. I you know, they might, you know, l- allow a certain number of democrats who were running this time specifically saying that they were, you know, not going to vote for her, but I think they have they can pick and choose who of those is actually you know, in some way vulnerable and still get to 218 when the final load comes around.
0: Uh, Trump is trying to meddle in this. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I guess trying to poison Pelosi with praise um, would be my best guess. He is full-on like. bear-hugging her just yeah. as hard as he can talking about how, how tough she is and how effective she is and how she deserves this post, god damn it. <laughs> um, yeah,
2: you're 100% right. You, you've you got it nailed. I mean, exactly. What he's doing.
0: He, he did this a little bit in the primary when he, he bear-hugged Bernie just about as hard as he could do. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it seems to be a pretty pretty self-aware tactic of his, actually, I do have to say. I would not have thought his ego um, robust enough to take the hit that knows him saying something nice about somebody is going to do bad things.
2: it's, It's a pretty nonsensical offer, too. I mean, I can't imagine that even with his support, Pelosi would get a single Republican vote for speakership. Yeah, that's just not going to happen, period. So, I mean, if you know, the the moon comes out in the daytime and the sun comes out at midnight, and uh, for some reason there aren't enough Democrat Democratic votes there, they're going to be back at square one. It's not going to be a thing where Republican votes could possibly save her.
0: Do You know, it's actually happened before, not with Pelosi, but this trick.
2: When with whom?
0: This is one of my favorite like stories of all time. It was in the Tennessee House. Um, okay. It was in, I believe it was 2010. It might have been 2012. And uh, the Democrats had just lost a um, majority by a single seat for the first time in like a hundred and something. The Republicans were triumphant. They'd already printed up merchandise with their new speaker's face on it. This young obnoxious kid. That I um, And the Democrats huddled five minutes they went out and they told them all who to vote for it was this one republican who had been beat up pretty bad by this young kid you know on all of his priorities he was this old guy kind of a softy from out in the country didn't like the new guy and they told every democrat in the room that they were going to vote for this dude um and then they they go out onto the floor since the old speaker is still the speaker and has to call the vote for the new speaker, he gets to propose his candidate first. He proposes this guy. Every Democrat votes for him. All the Republicans vote against him. He's the last one to go up. He votes for himself. Gets the speakership. The Republicans actually end up kicking him out of the party uh, shortly after this. But yeah, not too long ago, there is there is precedent for that. Sure,
2: sure, and I think there was at least some theory at least going into 2016 that you know Paul Ryan might have to rely on something similar or, or Boehner, before he decided to just quit that
0: was my key on caucus theory
2: yeah exactly um, <laughs> i don't see how any she's not Republican not going with Republican no vote. she's not going no. to No yeah well and who, who which Republican is going to set themselves on fire by superpower. voting for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker, <laughs> you know, e- even with Trump, you know, pulling his transparent bullshit, I mean, that's I, I don't buy it. <laughs>
0: Nancy Pelosi has been utterly invested in Democratic politics for longer than any of us are have been alive. She retired from being head of the California Democratic Party five years before I was born, <laughs> and yep. that is how long she has been involved in these politics. She is she resigned before she accepted Republicans there's yeah. no way. She may not be the most progressive person in the world, but goddamn it, she's a liberal. Mm. Yeah. Um. So with that said, you don't, you don't think there's any chance she she goes down?
2: I don't think they have the votes. I really don't. You know, they're making a lot of huff and bluster, but they need an actual candidate. And as far as I can tell, you know, Marsha Fudge is not actually a candidate. You know, she's trying to be Schrodinger's candidate. A candidate and not at the same time. And yeah, they just don't have it. You know, best case scenario, maybe they manage to derail her, but what happens then? I mean it's Steady Hoyer sweeps in. I mean no nobody else has the votes to get to two hundred and eighteen either, right now. Uh the party's not going to get behind the people that actively committed this coup. So yeah, I, I think it's Pelosi or Total madness, and I, <laughs> I think that people will step away before it gets to that.
0: JJ, who's your rep? Who's my rep? Um,
3: oh shit, uh, Pramila J. Appel.
0: Okay, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I posted a thing in the group earlier. She uh, she actually worked out, um, did it pound of flesh from Pelosi for some progressive support. Pelosi's uh, committed to congressional progressive caucus representation on all the major. Uh, appropriations, health, education, labor, um, the uh, the rules committees, and whatnot, Um, and also will be giving her support to running Congressional Progressive Caucus members for certain leadership posts in the Congressional Campaign Committee.
3: Yeah, I like the idea of having a Congressional Progressive Caucus. It is a smart move. I mean, it's it's very late, but you know, I'll give them that. That's that's where they come from. But it's it's nice that we're moving in this direction.
0: Yeah, I thought it was. You know, I, I don't really know what they held out or what was on offer, but uh, yeah, it just seemed like she was pretty effective in in getting real progressive voices out there in places they can be heard. <laughs> the, uh, the more important committees, like judiciary and whatnot, seem to have the same. You know, basically old white bread that you see for thirty years saying the same things. You know, the, the agreement apparently includes getting those younger members, the the new blood, into those positions too. Kind of jumping them around in seniority a little bit. Over, it would have been it.
2: right. It, it takes forever to get you know into those positions of power. So it is, it is giving them a good jump start, which is good. You're absolutely right. It's time for some change, at least in what face we put forward a lot of the time. And, uh, yeah, these are the people that, you know, we're, are going to be on TV holding their hearings. And, yeah, it's it's good that it'll be a little bit different. I thought, sure. I that, mean, and there's a certain amount of logistics involved, too, given that, you know,
3: leadership – the party is ancient and has half a foot in the grave. To be very blunt and rude about it, uh, they're, yeah. they're they're pretty old, <laughs> and everybody else is going to be like what 40s, mid 40s average, maybe 50s, like considerably younger than the like mid 70s that we're looking at for leadership of the party, like people just need experience because the leadership is not gonna be around much longer. Yeah. Well, yeah. We we need to get people like understanding how this works so that they can actually make a solid defense when shit gets crazy rather than have a bunch of rookies that don't understand the policies and procedures.
0: Yeah and, and build up that experience, you know having progressive voices who are a credible credible opinion on foreign policy for They've sat on the foreign policy for four years and have helped negotiate treaties and have really, like, dug down into the issues. That's important. You know, when your progressive voices in the media are always, you know, representatives of tech companies or whatnot, it skews Mm -hmm. things a little bit. They don't have that same gravitas that somebody who is really steeped in the issue and can credibly point to their experience on, to lean on. Um, That lends a lot more credit.
2: And they're also just going to need to build up a core of good floor leaders who are actually able to get legislation through Congress when the time comes. Because I think what we've learned from the last couple of presidential administrations, the window is very small. And you need to have a solid team that is able to move a lot through very quickly and effectively and can get it done in such a way as it can also navigate the the Senate which is where progressive legislation often just goes to die. So, you know, next time you've got unified government, which ideally is 2021, you've probably got until maybe the summer of 2022 to get anything done, because after that, the voters in their wisdom are likely to put the fucking Republicans back in charge in Congress, in which point nothing else happens again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, Nancy Pelosi has a lot to teach about that topic. Um, mm-hmm. it, it would do well to get some younger people in leadership to learn that skill. She is incredible at pushing uh, legislation through and doing that sort of heavy work. Uh, J.J., you made the point that these people are, are you know, in their 70s. They're actually closer to 80.
2: Steny mm-hmm. Hoyer is 79. trying to be generous yeah. after being very young yeah.
0: before. The, the top two Democrats, Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer, are 78 and 79, respectively.
2: And number three, Jim Clyburn, is also 78. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, it's important to get new leadership out there. Not not because the old people are bad, but because the fight will continue after they're gone. And the new because people they're who, definitely
3: not going to be around another 10 years. Yeah. Right. And the new we, people we, are going to need skills. Sure, you say that.
0: Nancy Pelosi runs for re-election in two years at eighty? Mm. More like more likely not. But not okay. uh, huh? like they've got to be able to
3: find somebody better in San Francisco.
0: That's true, but at the same time, she's still very sharp, and I, I worry about being kind of ageist. On that. Totally. Like she, she's I'm not sure. declined mentally. You know, if, if there were obvious things going on where she were, you know, not. As quick as she used to be, or something like that, I'd feel more comfortable. But, but
3: I, mean, I just phrase it as she's of, ancient.
0: That's there real. are a
3: lot of party leadership positions in which, you know, persons of her power easily move into in retirement. Yeah. I I, I don't think we'd be giving something up by putting somebody. I mean, again, yeah, uh, at the risk of being ageist, yeah, somebody a little younger, somebody new in there, like as you said, she's she's been in this game longer than we've been alive. I, she could do something else, and we could have a new progressive from that area really step up.
0: There's actually a, a very smart woman from just south of uh, Jackie Spear, um, who I've, uh, I, I've met through a couple of gun violence prevention uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. activities. She is... Uh, Survivor of the um, is it Jamestown down in South America.
2: Uh, Jonestown?
0: Jonestown. There we go. Really? Yes. Um, she was a, well, you're right. a congressional aide for her boss who was assassinated, um, shot down by the cult right before they started drinking the Kool-Aid. Um, she, wow. She was shot several times. but I, I've long thought she has a, a very compelling life story. She's served the House not just as an elected representative, but as a staffer. She's shown a, a commitment to learning the ins and outs of government. I really think she's somebody who can take a step forward. She represents San Mateo, which is south of uh, Yeah. yeah. Huh. Her boss's old district, uh, coincidentally.
2: Yeah. I had not realized that. Wow. She'd been that was part of her biography. That's pretty interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's quite a story. All right, uh, with that, I guess we'll no, I, let's stay in Congress for just one more minute. Um, Chris, you wanted to talk about Alexandria Ocasio Cortez for a little bit, and that's mm-hmm. a topic that I would love to talk about because it has been exceptionally creepy this week. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys People see the like, yeah. conservative reporter who has a history yeah. of posting pictures of people's butts taking a picture yes. of her from behind? It yes. was
1: absurd. Well, and also talking about how she doesn't look poor. Look at this nice suit she's wearing.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Fox News tried to shame her for revealing that she had saved $15,000. She had a savings account with $15,000 in it. This is a, a young woman who has, you know, not a whole lot in her life, has sacked away as much money as she could. Exactly what you're supposed to do, exactly what we tell people is like the basis of the American dream. And then Fox News is attacking her because she can't be that poor. She has $15,000 in the savings account. That's also her largest, like, single I guess investment, even though I wouldn't call a savings account an investment.
2: Yeah. If she had nothing, they'd be scolding her for spending it all on avocado
1: toast. So it's, it's you can't win. You can't win with these idiots. Yeah. So I guess what's what's been interesting to me is the um, two things. is It surfaces, not like we didn't know it was there, but it surfaces so much of the sexism and classism and ageism and all yeah. of these things that are built in. You know, all the trolling that she's received just in the past week. And even people like coming out with op-ed columns saying well she applied for this job that she couldn't afford why would she do that you know which is basically saying working-class people cannot be in government Mm -hmm. if you buy into that argument yeah absolutely yeah Um, but what's been beautiful is how just fluidly she's counter trolled them at every point she's just so good at that the uh yeah her
3: social media game is on point
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. She's been taking live questions while cooking dinner and whatnot, doing instant pot recipes on Facebook. <laughs> right. uh, yeah. it, it's pretty great.
1: And she's been doing beautiful pictures, you know, of networking with the new uh, orientation class and a lot of the incoming women there and just the energy and positivity of it. She's – her instincts, her social media skills and her political instincts – are both at just such a high level, and if you think about when she actually becomes more experienced in government, I think that could really be something to watch out for. Yeah, her career's very
3: exciting. Mm-hmm. I, I look forward to yeah. everything that you just said. That it will be so awesome to watch her develop hardcore fucking skills.
0: Let's uh, let's do some progressive power ranking jj who are your top three <laughs> progressive members of, of the legislature
3: my top three top shit three.
0: i don't know you can use any criteria you want the most effective the most inspiring just just give me your three best
3: i mean i'm inclined to put ocasio-cortez on there and just uh even though she has done nothing and hasn't even technically started the job like influential, inspiring definitely, you know, a career I want to keep a, an eye on um, I've got to put Bernie on there because, you know, he's been doing this forever and when it wasn't popular um, and and he never stopped which uh, is very noteworthy and very cool um, God, who do I put on there for a third? You know, I don't know. I'll have to think about a third one. I'm trying to... I don't know who I'd like.
0: I, I was mostly using this as a way to get a list from you. Of who I there were going to be that I remember to uh, keep to
3: look out for. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll have to think more. I mean, you know, Pramilajai Pal seems pretty cool. There there are some women here in Washington that have, you know, done some cool stuff, but then, you know, uh, like Dinga also, you know, did some shady shit. So everybody's kind of got a caveat with me right now until a little bit more time passes.
0: One thing I was very impressed of with, uh, with AOC was uh, the way she handled the meeting with Pelosi. Uh, she joined a protest that was taking place in her office, but apparently had a very productive meeting with Pelosi, and they got along really well. And I think it, it set a good tone for like the future relationship, that I'm not, you're not my boss, but I want to work with you for the things that are important to me and whatnot. And I thought she handled that really, really well without sacrificing any of the things that she believed.
2: Uh, well, yeah, she's been doing that basically since she won the primary. I mean, she's kind of handled the whole question of how to work with the leadership, you know, spot on from the very start. You know, they, you know, immediately after she won the primary, they started coming after with this, these kind of dumb questions like, are you going to support Pelosi for Speaker? What are you going to do? And she just said, look, I'm running to be a member of Congress, so I'm focusing on that and you know who gets elected speaker is going to be an issue based on whether or not we actually are in a position to elect a speaker so she basically told everyone to fuck off and let her do the job in front of her which was a lot savvier than a lot of other people who were reacting to her and uh trying to tear her down i think uh you know generally speaking we like tammy duckworth but She kind of went out on a limb and said some dumb stuff in response to that. And, you know, again, starting this, uh, you know, progressive civil war, which the media certainly loves to hype up as much as they possibly can, which, you know, was just completely unnecessary. And, you know, AOC saw through it and just did the right thing from the very start, which, you know, two thumbs up as far as I'm concerned.
0: We have some news on the Mueller front this week after uh, a quiet two months leading up to the midterms, which we largely expected, that is, uh, Department of Justice policy. Uh, he's now apparently making some progress. Trump has said he has answered the questions. Giuliani has uh, said that there were no questions or they refused to answer any questions about obstruction of justice, alleging that those questions... In president's, um, constitutional right to hire and fire as he sees fit. Um, but they did say that they answered questions on Russia. Um, also there's apparently been some movement around Jerome Corsi, a Roger Stone associate and, uh, pipeline into WikiLeaks for the gang. Um, I, I guess on that note, there might be some movement around WikiLeaks itself. Um, the government yeah. apparently in a copy and paste error um, accidentally put a either secret or draft indictment for uh, Assange on public display. So lots of things happening.
1: Yeah, I honestly thought that something would probably drop Friday, which it did not, but I, I kind of think they may be waiting on getting whatever round of questions they're trying to get from the administration finished before moving, because obviously you run the risk of spooking any further, any further progress on that front if you make a bunch of big moves right now. That that sounds right to me. Yeah, you indict
2: Don Jr., you indict Roger Stone, and then that blows everything up. Yeah, one hundred percent.
0: Uh, the the movement around Corsi has basically been confirmed by Corsi and Stone. They both said that there's information in their text messages and DMs and whatnot that quote-unquote taken out of context could look pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, there's, there's also kind of an undercurrent, though, that I've seen among journalists of Maybe Corsi's lying? Like maybe Possibly. Yeah, maybe none of this is true. And it's it's just Corsi and Stone having a good one. Um I, I, I have not mm. reached a conclusion on that, but I'm starting wow. to suspect it it might be a real possibility, not an instantly like discardable theory.
3: I mean, how likely is that they still get themselves into trouble anyway? Yeah, I mean, you know, Roger Stone lies all the time. Sure, if if he's speaking, he's lying. But that doesn't mean they can't throw him in jail for something he said
1: anyhow.
0: Yeah, you're right. This is not mutually exclusive.
1: Both could be true. (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, taking anything specifically that that Stone says, you definitely have to consider, am I being played by this guy who's been doing this for literally, what, 50 years now?
0: Since, like,
1: yeah <laughs> that's
0: yeah half a century
3: yeah i mean i think he has to work really hard to actually tell the truth he's also difficult. at that perfect
0: age where he's just out of fucks to give mm-hmm. like honestly everything he does at this point could be for pure personal amusement like if he croaks tomorrow he has lived a long good one and had some fun so who cares that well, is he's almost exactly the the attitude I feel he would take.
2: He's what sixty? He's sixty six. So I mean, that's he could still live another twenty years if uh, I don't know. I guess he's he's got a pretty crazy lifestyle, so maybe not. But a hey, man was he really I, one of
0: the dirty tricksters as a teenager?
2: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. He was born in 1952, and yeah, he, he was on board. I think. Remember, was he uh, president of College Republicans at some point? Something
0: like that, yeah. I, I yeah. I want to say he was like literally a member of Nixon's Dirty Tricksters. Like that's what they called the group, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was there in '72. Absolutely. Uh, him and Carl Rove and a lot of those guys. Yeah, uh, let's see here. Uh, Yeah, worked for the Office of Economic Opportunity during that time, but yeah, he was absolutely on the campaign. By night, his quote is, by night on trafficking in the black arts, Nixon's people were obsessed with intelligence, that kind of stuff. So yeah, he was all over this kind of evil, dark, dark shit from being basically a child, which is astonishing, and you'd think, you know, it's like holding the one ring for too long, you know, he's got some kind of golem situation <laughs> going on. He, he
0: does the the one ring prevent aging too? Because he does have a Dennis the Menace like perpetual child face.
2: Yeah, even at you know, sixty you know, sixty six years old, he he doesn't really look it. Yeah, some of that's probably uh probably cosmetic surgery and things like that, but, uh, yeah. Definitely a uh, oh, persona. Oh. <laughs> he borrows it from Dick Cheney. Yeah. <laughs> there you
0: go. They share a heart. Yeah. <laughs> Did they share all eight? Um. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think so. Did Cheney have eight heart attacks? <sighs> I don't know if it was that. He a
2: lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, when he was leaving office, he looked like he was about to die, and I think they actually had him on some machine that was barely keeping him alive, didn't even really produce a heartbeat, just this constant ooze that was going through his body. I mean, this is literally true. This is not just, you know, something I'm saying about Dick Cheney. But yeah, he did not look well, and I guess got himself a nice orphan heart, and he's back in business.
0: Dick Cheney no. Yeah.
2: No way.
0: Yep. I hear that.
2: That's the power of the dark. Shit, you're right. He's 77, he's
0: 78. My God. I wonder if Pelosi calls him a whippersnapper. <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. I so. Christian Bale. in like movie. 2004. <laughs> so,
0: uh, I, I guess one of the... One of the effects of the shakeup in the Mueller investigation has been on Trump's attitude. Um, both of the the papers of record, The Washington Post and the New York Times, have uh, independently run stories this last week about Trump absolutely fuming over Mueller over the midterms, uh, over how his decision to skip the the American uh, cemetery ceremony on armistice Day in France went. Uh, his decision to skip the Arlington National Cemetery uh, event on uh, our observation of Veterans Day, an event that the French government did attend, by the way, um, probably specifically to send a point. Uh, He's, I guess, pissed as shit. Couldn't have happened to a better guy.
2: Yeah, um, not much to add to that, but it was just this really petty and I don't know, the the bigger picture, I guess the one thing to throw in there is the context is at least there's some stories coming out in the Times, the Post and so on saying that really he's just kind of reacting and finally having it set in how bad he got his ass beat even if uh, he's not admitting that and worried about where the Mueller investigation is coming and now lashing out not doing even the basic duties of the presidency, you know, the stuff that, you know, not even the particularly boring stuff, but the, you know, woo-hoo patriotism and parades stuff.
0: There's, um, there's also some question about whether uh, Whitaker might actually recuse himself in the Mueller investigation, which would just set off Trump again, I, I feel. But there's yeah. been a, uh, growing chorus, not only from the, the people you would expect, the, the Democratic members of, of Congress, but um, bureaucrats within the Department of Justice are apparently putting up a, a substantial fight over this. He's at least listening. Um, it's it's something that people might not be as surprised as they will, be, or should not be as surprised as they would be if it doesn't come down. I cannot imagine what Trump would do
2: if that happened. Yeah it defeats the whole purpose of uh, firing Sessions.
1: Yeah. I mean, I wonder if the calculus on that, if he was going to do anything on that, he really needed to do it almost immediately, because opposition is only going to grow, and a lot of the Senate Republicans are saying, you know, we really need to get an actual AG candidate in here now, so yeah. confirm them. Who do you
0: Who do you honestly expect to be the nominee for that position.
2: Lindsey Graham seems to really want it. I keep being surprised that we haven't heard about Lindsey Graham taking it. Yeah.
0: After what happened to Sessions, you think Lindsey Graham wants that? He's discovered his so. backbone again recently. He's been fighting with Trump a little bit. He's not doing that good of a job interview if that's what he wants.
3: Yeah, but that's just all their little theater show. Yeah. There's no real fight there. It's yeah. the only backbone that that man has is like
2: his own personal quest for power. Yeah, it, it's like Michael, Co- like Michael Cohen having lunch with Mark Cuban. He's just trying to get the boss's attention.
0: Uh, I have a name. not ready to say I think he'll be it, but I do think that there's a pretty strong chance, and I'll, I'll give you my reasoning here, but it's Rick Santorum. Um, uh, yes, Trump has been watching more CNN. Uh, he, he's been tweeting about it all the time. He's been making a big show of it. Santorum um, is their, their like main election night and, uh, analyst. He's on the Republican side, at least. He's part of all the roundtables. He's, he's in-house talent from them. He's been doing a lot of heavy water or heavy lifting on on Trump's you know carrying Trump's water on the network in a way that uh, I think plays w- better with people in the middle than Trump can himself. And I Trump likes what he sees on TV. I think he sees that Santorum's an attorney. He's reasonably charismatic for a Republican. And I I, I think there's a decent chance. If we're going to let Fox and Friends dictate, you know, policy in certain areas, I don't think that Trump watching more CNN is uh, going to change anything. I think Santorum has a shot at that job. He has a legal background. He was very heavily involved with judges. He's a name. He's got a Google. It. He's
3: a terrible monster. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, all the Fits whole. It's, about a, sure. it's a solid theory. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. I, I could skip. That theory is all based around the Trump TV, it's time like sort of of mindset and that may be completely wrong. Maybe somebody's going to tame his instincts. But uh, Trump goes with what he sees on TV. What with that his economics. Yeah, 2 years, yeah.
3: 2 years of taught yeah. us that the TV runs the White House far more than any other single person. It's don't think Janine Perrot or something.
0: Yeah, Santorum is, if you watch CNN, the Republican, you will see most often making the case for Trump and explaining Trump to people who are not necessarily on board with Trump. He's not speaking to a Fox News audience, and I think Trump Mm -hmm. might suddenly appreciate that quality after these midterms.
1: Sure. He's also got the solid social conservatism going, so he would have the backing of that faction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I I suspect you'll see that name if my whole TV thing is bad. Uh, does anybody else have a guess on who goes in that slot? think Joe
3: Arpaio. What the hell? i oh, oh. just say it, just to be crazy. There's just no to like. He gets that's some darkest timeline shit. That's, that's another way that you know we're in the darkest timeline.
0: You could give the Republicans an 80 in And I don't think there's a chance in gets confirmed. Uh, what about. What is it?
3: Dave
0: Clark was that the guy? Also spoke not at to for the
3: for... RNC. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, you think so bro
0: <laughs> No, I know so. They tried to confirm him.
3: I guess that's true. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> I, I think I think if he wants to get somebody in there in a hurry, who's going to do whatever he wants, Lindsey Graham, he could be confirmed in like 24 hours or less, and. <laughs>
0: Do you think the experience the of nominating uh, Sessions and then losing that seat to the Democrats holds them back a little bit? South Carolina is less of a safe state than it might be assumed.
2: Maybe, but the bench in South, which, I mean, that does make the pitch for
3: Santorum. Maybe Scott Walker.
2: Oh, Six yeah. He just Walker's lost a race and everything. just shift him over. That's true. Oh, God. Uh, well, Walker's that. not a Walker's not a lawyer. I don't think well he's not qualified but that wouldn't stop Trump so what am I saying he's not qualified Trump can't make an attorney general (laughs) right like would that stop the Senate maybe probably not
3: I figure cocaine (laughs) Mitch is fine with Scott Walker
0: (laughs) cocaine Mitch go woo on a bitch yeah listen to entirely too much Wu-Tang plan for a white guy on the West Coast. Uh, Let's go ahead and turn this around local then. Uh, We've got two stories. One's actually on our list and one's been developing as we've been talking, so I'll talk about that Mm -hmm. in a minute. Um, But Dan, you have I don't want to say good news, but expected news. It's not good news. (laughs) Expected news (laughs) from Washington.
2: It's predictable news. So yeah, one of the things that uh, we actually were able to get done here in Washington State Uh, was uh, one of our good initiatives passed uh, initiative 1639 which is a gun control measure that was developed partly out of the response to the Parkland shooting this spring and it has a lot of I guess the laundry list of uh, suggested reforms to protect against something like a Parkland shooting and one of those was raising the purchase age for semi-automatic rifles to age 21 uh background checks for certain rifles, getting them in line with, you know, the same checks that we have for handguns already. You know, uh, let's see here, some of the things, and some standards for uh, secure storage. Uh, so this passed uh, pretty handily. Uh, Washington State has... Uh, not been as good on you know certain environmental and uh, fiscal reforms but on guns we've been pretty good and pretty consistent in the last decade. Uh, so pretty much within a week we've got a lawsuit coming out from the uh, National Rifle Association and a number of I guess sympathetic individuals and groups locally here in Washington State uh, challenging the initiative. Uh, see here. It looks like, of course, they're challenging it on uh, Second Amendment grounds and incorporation. And uh, it looks like some of the, they have some individuals who are under the age of 21, but over the age of 18, that are challenging it. It looks like on equal protection grounds. That, you know, this is impairing the rights of people under the age of 21. So, uh, this should be interesting. Uh, As a corollary to this, uh, as I was looking up this story, I saw that there's at least one municipality way out in eastern Washington (laughs) that uh, is going out of their way. They're drafting ordinances to become, quote, a sanctuary city for guns. So, here we are. Because guns are people, too, and they're discriminated against horribly. It's... you guys
0: that argument is seriously out there it is yeah. I, I made a comment in the topic thread about how i've seen them argue that we only hate the scary looking black guns and that makes us racist
2: oh my god
3: <laughs> wait so then uh uh is that that's kind of implying that there's some like white guns out there right
0: well it's... you're like what's dog hunting around. Oh, I see.
3: So brown guns are white guns now. Wow. In any social structure, to... the
0: lightest rise to the top. That's been my my interpretation of American history. I don't know about yours. Uh,
3: I mean, that tracks with their rhetoric,
2: yeah. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm just asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> Shotguns are the whitest gun, maybe? I don't know.
3: <laughs> Nothing yeah. says white bread, abolition,
2: or white shotgun.
3: Yeah. D- how does one figure out the ethnicity of one's rifle?
0: Very carefully. <laughs> That's not also, a topic you bring I up. It's
3: like, JJ. kind of funny that they're like, we want illegals to come here. We're a sanctuary city. Like, it, I mean, I get that we're trying to really clever, clever. And take the lid things and like, you know, stick it to the lids. But... You We've know, actually got that kind
0: of thing going on, um, more so in the literal sense here in Oregon. There have been a number of sheriffs in like the rural uh, southeast corner or southwest corner. No, southeast. Yeah, southeast corner of the state. Bundy land. Who have been trying to? Uh, oh, that was more the north northeast corner. Oh, all right. Yeah, Mallard and whatnot. Uh, Burns. Right. But uh, yeah, they've been wanting to do the same sort of sanctuary for guns enforcement here and whatnot and at the same time every single county sheriff signed on to the campaign to keep our state a sanctuary state so some of them in quite in oregon are quite literally arguing for all the elites come here guns people whatever
3: you know what Sheriff? Sure. what why not
0: they us give them, like, 40 top. acres in
3: the desert of Oregon and Washington and they can have their little purge 24-7 and they can just, like, live in their thunderdome out there in the desert and leave us all the hell alone.
0: If it all weren't such important bird habitat, I would be all for that.
3: Well, okay, I guess that is a case to be made,
0: then. Yeah. Can we dig them a hole? <laughs> We, uh, we should maybe really encourage that libertarian seasteading. thing. Maybe we can just ship them all off in the middle of the Indian Ocean.
3: Oh no, man. The oceans Excellent. have taken so much damage. We don't need to hurt the oceans anymore with their shenanigans.
0: Were <laughs> they They're trying to have... take over New Hampshire? I mean, we can just oh, give yeah. them that state. I, I, I... I don't think we'd lose that much. <laughs>
3: That, that, that Chris is like, not in my backyard. No way. <laughs> yeah, Chris is oh. like, no. I was trying
0: to appeal to the natural rivalry between
1: Vermont and New Hampshire. I thought he'd
0: be totally on my side with that.
1: Well, I mean, I just don't know that we have the kind of border controls I would want to have if they be a gun sanctuary.
2: Build a wall. <laughs> Make them
3: pay for it with maple syrup. Okay, we'll give them Las Vegas. They can have that, or Reno. You know, a poor person's Las Vegas. (laughs) They can have Reno, and then it's fine. And that's like, they get that, nobody goes there unless you have like five guns. And then we all have an understanding that that's where we put our crazy.
0: That's already where we put our crazy. I've yeah, been that's through what
3: Reno. Brock, this is a solid plan. They're already yeah. mostly
0: there. We it's just Fresno the with, like, them. legal whores and gambling. As opposed get, to like, Fresno, Fresno with illegal women of the night and illegal gambling. We'll give them a bullet train. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> they, they, they might like it. It has a bullet in it.
3: It's the most freedom-loving train ever. The bullet train.
0: <laughs> All right. We'll wrap this up with what's been happening in Portland today. We had our monthly riot. At least that's what the cops called it. Uh, or an unlawful civil disturbance in, in police parlance. Um, it was supposedly an offshoot of Patriot Prayer in support of a M2 rally. Uh, turned out though, it was just Patriot Prayer joey gibson and his entire leadership team showed up um all the regulars showed up there was no offshoot group it was just them um some me too protesters and some antifa joined them it was uh it, it was a time apparently um the cops showed up with riot gear they they really kept people separated the feds got involved and bordered off terry shrink plaza um which is right in the middle of downtown. Um that's where the federal courthouse is, so that's why they got involved there. But uh it was a full on response. A lot of people were saying it was the uh new protest powers that the mayor wanted. He was actually denied those by the city council on a three to two vote, so this is just them using the laws they already had. Um they they chased people out. They antifa apparently chased paid Patriot prayer into a parking garage at one point and surrounded it and just kept them holed up there. And then the police had to clear everybody out who wasn't an actual customer of the parking garage. Uh, My favorite dive bar, the Amhill pub uh, had fist bites in front of it, which were not connected to the people drinking inside for the first time in the many years I've gone there. Um, it, It seemed, seemed like it was less, uh, Less hardcore than some of our last ones. I don't think Patriot Prayer's heart was really in it. You know, they let themselves get holed up in a a parking garage. They tried to shoot people from the top of a parking garage last summer. You know, that's the Patriot Prayer, I expect. I don't know who these imposters were. Um, props to Antifa, though. They really kept the whole situation under control. Kept those guys holed up. Um, some things were lit on fire. Um... There were six people arrested, mostly, through fights. Uh, about what you'd expect. We get this about once a month now in Portland. This one was better than most of them. I, I don't know when it's going to stop. I don't know when Patriot Prayer is going to stay on their fucking side of the river. They're all from Vancouver. There's, there's no Portland residents in, in that group. They're, they're suburban white kids who want to come in and play fun or play tough.
3: Yeah, God, what a bunch of disgusting tool bags. Uh, I'm glad that is handling it better, and thankfully there weren't people on rooftops with guns this time. Uh, and hopefully the police behave themselves a little bit more manageably.
0: They they were very heavy handed, um, but I don't know. Maybe that's for the best. And they were more heavy handed with both sides this time. I think stopping it before the violence breaks out is kind of preferable. Um, and they weren't like tear gassing anybody. They weren't beating people with sticks. They weren't, you know, shooting. You see the pictures in the last one of like one of the tear gasers shot at somebody sticking out of his helmet and they had broken his skull and whatnot. There was none of that shit. There was just a of police shoving people back and keeping a line of separation. So I, I don't oh, know.
3: so like an old-school protest. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, kind of. I mean, I, I still don't think getting shoved by a cop so that you stay on your side of the sidewalk is the best outcome, but it's better than we had, so maybe that's good, I guess. I, I, yeah, very I mean, if it's
3: rubber things. bullets and, like, can okay. yeah Sure. Yeah.
0: Um, but, but still, like, not comfortable seeing police in riot gear, you know, out in force and forcibly directing people who supposedly have a free right to go wherever they want, telling them where they can stand and, you know, making sure that they obey those instructions one way or the other, it's kind of, it gives me the heebie-jeebies. But also, you know, seeing fucking running street battles for the streets of Portland, while kind of intense and cool, um, is also not something I want to happen like it's always been my dream to live through a revolution. I don't need a running one every month, you know, this shouldn't be a continuing appointment.
3: So. Yeah, and I mean you wanted to be way younger than we're gonna be when it happens to Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're uh, we're not gonna be in like running shape when the revolution happens. Why we're, was
0: I not like twenty two in Germany in nineteen eighty nine? That's that is the worst thing in my life just the worst i've missed out on all that
3: yeah the food riots happened in like seven eight years and like my knees are already bad i'm gonna <laughs> run like two blocks before they take me and steal all my bread like i'm <laughs> closed
0: <laughs> oh jj you're the best
2: just saying man it's looking good. <laughs> it's gonna be a bad time yeah you know, that's that's why i had a kid you know so i've got someone who can fend off the raiders
0: or you oh, know if it all stage. goes really wrong that's a good source of food right there
2: It's hey, fresh also, too yeah mm-hmm.
0: probably should have <laughs> thought a little bit before making a cannibal joke in retrospect that was that was a brave card for me to play <laughs> All right, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, We'll do the what we're following this week. I am going to actually start this one. Um, Yesterday I spent a lot of time working on a new project of mine. I'm hoping that it's going to go live this week. I may even buy some advertising time to uh, get it shopped around on a promoted post on Twitter or something like that. Um, After seeing some of what happened in Georgia and Florida, I really started to appreciate the voting system we have in the Northwest, uh, which is almost exclusively vote-by-mail. Washington is a little bit weird in that they do retain, I think, one polling place per district so that if you really, really hate yourself, you can go stand in the line to vote and take all day. Um, but other than that, we do vote-by-mail. And Oregon has not had a, a presidential election with less than 80% turnout in the last you know, 18 years. We haven't had a midterm election with less than 70% turnout in the last 18 years. It's absurd that states are out there with a third of eligible voters actually showing up to to cast a ballot. So I'm going to make a strong effort to educate people about uh, our vote-by-mail system here, why it's great, why I love it. Um, It has started to make some inroads into other places. Colorado recently went uh, exclusively vote-by-mail. So it's an idea who I think uh, their time has come. So at some point this week, uh, I'll have the live page up on votebymailus.com, and you guys should share it around if anybody listening is interested in pretty stuff like Howard.
3: Cool. Following the spread to Colorado, we should target other states that have legalized recreational marijuana.
0: This will be a necklace. You can sit at home, get stoned, and fill out your ballot.
3: Yeah, it's it's an easy
0: argument. <laughs> All right, JJ, what are you following this week?
3: Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to talk about the terrible California fires that are going on right now. Um, the Bay Area is choking to death uh, on terrible smoke. I've got a couple of friends there that have been keeping me updated. I think their uh, air quality is somewhere in between two and 300, depending on the day. It's really bad. We canceled the big um, game.
0: Year. Oh, okay. Yeah, or pushed it back till December, something like that, because uh, the air quality, just Berkeley and Stanford could not play.
3: Yeah. Uh, so there's the campfire in Northern California, uh, north of the Bay Area, that's taken out uh, 142,000 acres, uh, biggest fire in, in the state's history, uh, and deadliest. Yeah, was she from which one? Is she from Chico or Paradise?
0: Paradise and Megalia, which is uh, oh, Megalia, right? Yeah, uh, she was born in Megalia, grew up in Paradise. Both of those towns are completely
3: different. Yeah. gotcha. And then at the same time, uh, there's also a fire down in uh, Malibu. I think that one's not contained yet either, as far as I know. Uh, you know, that's got. That's also ripping through folks' homes. Uh, It's been hitting a lot of celebrities' homes, so there's the usual pushback on the Internet about crying over celebrities. But, uh, you know, still people's homes. It's still towns. It's still a lot of space. Uh, Yeah, ravaging through the state. um, And, of course, likely climate change. um, Study in 2016 said about 55% of the dryness in Western forests between... Uh, 79 in 2015 would be attributed to warming due to human activity, which is of course what's allowing for this, is just California has considerably drier and drier winters as the years go on. Uh, It's making this a much, much... Yeah, exactly. Like this, especially up there, like this is when they get some good solid rain pretty often, like, but yeah, if it's bone dry... Just carrying over from the late summer, yeah, the whole place is a tinderbox all the time.
0: All right, Chris, what are you looking at this week?
1: Um, well, kind of personally and politically. So politically, I'll be interested to see the Florida recount of the recount wrap up. Just always curious to see how they do with that. Uh,
0: it's I a did special
1: yeah, he has. Yeah, so it's really the Senate race that. Mm-hmm. So I'll be, I'll have my eye on that, and um, then personally, we are instead of going to see anybody's family for Thanksgiving, we decided to just go off by ourselves. So we're going to Quebec City, which I'm really looking forward to. Neat.
2: I've never been. That sounds pretty awesome.
1: That yeah, I. Home
2: of
0: the Quebec Nordiques before they became the Colorado Avalanche. Mm-hmm. That is trivia nobody cares about, and I realized that after I said it. Sorry.
3: <laughs> <laughs> do I, don't you speak French?
0: Abby does, yeah.
1: Okay, that's awesome. what I thought. I thought I remembered her speaking French. Yeah.
0: Is she French-Canadian?
1: Her family is, actually. um they She's from upstate New York. Um, but the family was originally from Canada.
0: Is there the same, like, Acadian population in parts of Vermont that there is in, say, Maine or whatnot? Like, do you guys have French-speaking towns?
1: Not to the same extent, but there are actually a significant portion of people, you know, when you get up near the border, whose first language is French.
0: Okay. Yeah. And
1: everybody has French last names.
0: Very nice. Hmm. Well, I hope you guys enjoy it. Quebec is absolutely beautiful.
2: Yeah, that
0: sounds awesome. Okay, Dan, how about you?
2: All right. I'm also still following elections. Uh, This one, though, kind of close to home back here in Cascadia. Uh, We are all but finished counting votes here in Washington State, and as the dust is settling, it looks like the Democrats are on track to pick up three seats right now in the state Senate, but a fourth, and it's local to us up here in the northwest of the northwest. Our 42nd Senate district is down to a margin of 58 votes out of, you know, close to 75,000 votes cast. Uh, So it's a margin of 0.08% that we're trying to make up. And so uh, those of us local activists uh, have been doing our part by doing what's called ballot curing, which is basically getting in touch with uh, voters who cast ballots that have been rejected or challenged for some reason and trying to get them to correct those reasons. You sign an affidavit, things like that, uh, basically getting their votes counted into the final count. So there are about 300 or so of those votes outstanding still, according to our county auditor, and then another 100, which I guess were sent to the wrong county. So a bunch of ballots that were sent to King County instead of he- us here in Whatcom. So a lot that's still outstanding Wait, in this box well, um, of your
0: guys' ballots were shipped off to King
2: County? Yes. Or I think was mailed in King County and ended up at their King County processing center rather than at our own processing center here in Whatcom. Okay. That's, so,
0: that's less weird than
2: I thought it would be. Yeah. It's... Down to the wire, this is ridiculously close. Like I said, 0.08% is where where it's at right now is the margin. So uh, whatever happens, it's probably going to be due for a hand recount once all that's said and done. I think they're supposed to be getting the final tallies before a recount would begin by the end of this week. So crossing our fingers and, again, tracking down everybody who uh, somehow didn't get their vote counted for some reason. But we're we're, we're closing in.
0: Good on you. Yeah. Um, one last election note, because we talked about it at the top of the show. Um, Fifteen minutes ago, the race between Young and Cisneros was called for Cisneros.
2: Oh, good. All right. Nice. Yep.
0: So that is every Orange go? County seat uh, officially in the Democratic column. Leave you guys with that happy little note although i don't know how happy it is i don't think i necessarily want orange county but hey
3: <laughs> if it changes it's okay <laughs> it's
2: awesome. got to work on itself first
0: it's a work in progress right. i'll uh, i'll see you guys next week
2: all right good
0: night bye oh,